Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura, and we have a lot to talk about this week. So um, I think first, let's, let's start with NHL and like wrap up everything there, because that's kind of ending. Well, <laughs> it's kind of ramping up in the MLB. So we'll start yeah. with like, wrap, putting a nice little bow on the NHL for like a week, because <laughs> things are happening so fast. But on Monday, I, I, I forgot that the, the playoffs ended this week. <laughs> I no, I did too. <laughs> I wrote it in the outline. I was like, oh, yeah, that did, that did happen since we last recorded. Tampa won game six, uh, which means they are your Stanley Cup champions. Victor Hedman won the Conn Smythe. I have to say I liked the Conn Smythe pick. I, I personally probably would have picked Braden Point just because I think the thing that made it so clear to me is that in the series with New York, they, they won every game that Braden Point played, and they lost every game that Braden Point didn't play. And they just looked like a completely different team when mm-hmm. he wasn't playing. However, you can also say that about Victor Hedman, because last year when they got swept, largely the same team, really like just a couple third, fourth liners or really bottom pair defensemen. Mm-hmm. But Victor Hedman was hurt and either didn't play or was just not not playing Victor Hedman hockey for all of the playoffs. And so that's why they, I think that largely is why they got swept because they had all of the good forwards, but they just didn't have anyone on defense. So it's hard to argue with Victor Hedman, but I think Brayden mm-hmm. Point had a case. Yeah, for sure. So anything you want to say about the end of Dallas? <laughs> we'll talk about the signing and stuff later. But... Um, I mean – if we would have recorded like the day after I would have been like extremely bitter and not even bitter towards like Tampa or even the stars players just very specifically coaching shocker I know um but like as it was happening and I even texted you and you were like you sound like you're going through the stages of grief and I was like yes all of them are happening during the game um because I wasn't mad because I kind of expected Tampa to win. I fully am annoyed that they decided to win in six, like I predicted as a uh, superstition. But I just thought there would be more competition in that last game. And I don't want to blame the players because I don't want it to sound like I think they just gave up because I don't think that. Um, I wrote a whole blog post about how, like, I don't think it's fair to say, oh, they just gave up. They clearly don't care because, like, there's no way I can imagine that I or any other fan care more about winning that game than the guys on the ice. Um, but I, I do wonder if fatigue just finally caught up to them. Um, and especially knowing, like, we're probably going to find out about a lot of injuries this week. I mean, we've already found out about Sagan was dealing with a knee, a hip, and a groin injury. Um, Foxa apparently had a wrist injury because he had a brace on when he when the team came back to Dallas. So I'd imagine we're going to find out a lot in um, the end-of-season interviews that they're supposed to be doing this week. But – yeah, I don't know. I know a lot of people were mad watching the game, which I, I understand as a fan, obviously. You're mad because you want to see your t- team win, but 
I don't think I was mad in the sense of like, oh, they just gave up or they just don't care. Um, it, it, they just finally got outmatched by the better team, unfortunately. And that was actually something I was going to say. I think part of this that's tough is they did outmatch teams that on paper had more talent. Yeah. But the thing that kind of is a little frustrating, I think, is I think they're like one forward away. Like, and, and like, obviously it's one really good forward. Because mm-hmm. I just think if you look at their defensive core, their defense can compete with anyone. Mm-hmm. And like they have Nero, so you have like your one really good puck mover. And then they have John Klingberg as just like a bonus. So they have like the kind of defense that you need in like the elite. Like they, they say like you need a Norris person. You have that. And you have mm-hmm. the goaltending. You have Dobie played like a good playoff goalie. And on top of that, just going into the season, like as a general manager, you had Ben Bishop too. And so that's like a really good tandem, mm-hmm. the best tandem in the league. But then you look at the forwards and it's just a little tough because you got a lot of like older players. Like yeah, when you look at your high paid players, Stegen is the young one. And he's yeah. not exactly like it pains me to say this because he's like only a few <laughs> months older than me. He's not exactly young by hockey standards. Yeah. And you have, you know, Radulov, like your big acquisition, which was proven very right, was Joe Pavelski, who, who is, but all, the, all of your, like, really big players are kind of older. And so I'm even thinking, I'm, I'm like trying to scheme it, and we'll talk about it later down, but Buffalo reportedly doesn't want to trade Jack Eichel but they also have to, they're coming out and saying they don't want to trade him, which might mean they actually do want to trade him. Yeah. Because I think that it has to do with like the COVID thing and like all of the revenues being down. And they've also just been mediocre for a long time. It's almost like, like tank now. And he makes like 10 million a year, but he's like, if Buffalo wasn't so bad, he would be, would have been an MVP candidate this year. Like people were still talking about him being an MVP candidate, even though Buffalo was trash. Like, I have to, I'll pull it up so you can see it for when we talk about him, but I, it's just, I'm thinking something like that. And I know there are deals like that out there because of all of the teams that ha- are having cap struggles that if the stars can like make an investment and like make one shrewd move, I think that could like be like the, like put them over the top for next year. Now all yeah. that said, if Rick bonus is almost guaranteed to get a contract that, that doesn't necessarily play in the favor of getting like a good young like defenseman. Yeah. And I think that's also an interesting point. Obviously he's going to be offered. I think the interesting part is if he's going to take it because he's just like, even through playoffs, he still just has the vibe of I'm here because I felt like I was obligated to be, I don't really want to be a head coach. So I don't think I'll have that feeling of obligation. Um, once he gets his own head coach contract. Uh, so that'll be something I'm very interested to see how it goes down. Because I, I, part of me will be really surprised if he says yes to being the head coach next year because he just doesn't seem like he truly, that's what he truly wants to be. Um, I will say that uh, Giryanov did get under 12 minutes in – that final game so 
We're that was another issue. <laughs> I know. It's not surprising, but still at the same time, it's still just as frustrating. And especially in an elimination game like that. Like you just expect them to go nonstop, just try anything and everything, and nothing was working. I mean, the team like had no life until that third period. And I don't mean to say that like they look like they weren't trying in the first or second period. It just nothing was working. But also the jump and chase the puck strategy that happened for over half that game that even by middle of the first period, the announcers were like, you got to have a different strategy. I, I don't know. It's just something felt like obvious that should have been changed in game and it just wasn't. And I will, I will say like thinking about Chicago who lost to Vegas and were grossly outmatched to Vegas, way less talented than Dallas was, but they have Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Dominic Cahoon, who's like a Calder candidate this year and stuff. And what they basically did. And I think they were more forced into it than Dallas was, which kind of might've been to Dallas's detriment a little bit, but also Dallas being better is why they made the finals, but they just like played Patrick Kane just a ton. Mm-hmm. And cause it's like, we don't have a lot of talent. So we're just going to play our talent a lot. Yeah. And I think no, that's not true for Dallas that they don't have a lot of talent. Right. But they, they don't play their talent a lot. Right. Also true, which isn't a good thing. <laughs> um, but I think overall it's hard to be disappointed in the team as a whole just because truly did not expect them to be Western Conference champions uh, this season. I think they got at least two rounds further than uh, I even expected. Honestly, I thought Calgary was going to crush them, so really – they got way farther than I expected. So it's hard, It's really hard to be truly like, oh, I can't believe we lost the cup like that because they did make it way farther than I expected even a month ago. I think next year is going to be the true test because now there's expectations. And I think it's like there's a lot to be proud of just in the sense of you saw and heard how tough the bubble situation was on everyone in like on every team. And so to be able to do that and like more talented teams than Dallas, better regular season teams than Dallas got eliminated in the first round or the play in round or stuff like that. And so for Dallas to be that strong, that long and basically they were playing a similar game that they had played the whole playoffs it's just the talent is so amazing on Tampa and so I think but I think it kind of showed that the mental fortitude is there and that's I mean that's a good sign like like there's a lot to take from that of like they have the mentality to not only make it through the grind of a playoffs but to make it through the grind of like the hardest playoffs yeah like recent memory yeah for sure so, with that, I guess we will consider the 2019-20 season a little bow on that for now. But, of course, we immediately jump into off-season because the draft is this week and then free agency is on the 9th, which is this week. So, lots of stuff turning right around real fast. Um, so, some off-season happenings. I just want to point out a couple signings and I'll share a few thoughts. Uh, big one is Robin Leonard is staying in Vegas. 
five years, $5 million deal, which means that Marc-Andre Fleury will either get relegated to backup or is traded. Tristan Jari, who is a restricted free agent, got signed to three-year, $3.5 million. Matt Murray, who's also a restricted free agent, it sounds like he is out of there, possibly Chicago as the landing spot. That's one I've heard. Um, and then Andre Sekera for the Stars signed a two-year, $1.5 million deal. The second one is kind of like a whatever to me. Yeah. It's, it's a fine deal. It's no term and really no cap commitment, so eh, whatever. I also saw it was noted that that now means all of the defensemen that Dallas had in the playoffs are going to be back for next season, which, I mean, I'm not mad about. Yeah, and it's, it's good just to, like, get that done for now. Yeah. It was good for uh, Pittsburgh, too, I think, that's a very fair value for – Tristan, basically what they're doing is they buy out one year of, of unrestricted free agency, and so they get that one year at a discount, assuming he's mm-hmm. going to be good. And so I think that's fair, and of the two, that's who I picked. Matt Murray, since he got hurt, like a couple, I think it was two years ago maybe, he just hasn't looked like the same goalie. And Tristan Jari is so positionally sound when it comes to goaltending. Like he just, the mark of a good goalie is when they don't, when they, like, I'm struggling to remember a lot of, like, 10 bell saves from Tristan Jari, where he just, like, diving across, because, of course, like, some of those saves you can make, and it's legitimately, like, your defense hung you out to dry, and they just bailed you out, but a lot of times when they make those saves, it's because they were in the wrong position, Mm -hmm. and they just, like, compensate for that wrong position. You're in the right position. You're not going to make as many of those amazing saves, and so I think Tristan Jari is really good at that. Robin Leonard is probably the one I'm most excited about, just in the sense I'm really happy for him that he gets the stability that he's wanted so badly. It kind of does make New York and Chicago look bad for not being willing to sign that contract because every indication is this is all that he wanted, five by five. And Vegas, who has no cap room, like compared to New York and Chicago, absolutely no cap room at all made it happen and I think I, I think that's the right move for them because he's younger than Flurry, more consistent mm-hmm. than Flurry. so I, I'm I'm really happy for him and his family so that's my thoughts on those do you have anything to add or do you want me just to um I part of me saw the uh Vegas deal for Robin I was like oh so Flurry's out which or, or at least not their main goalie, which always just brings me back to his agent in the that painting or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I feel like that's still just, that's going to be like, I feel like what he's known for, for a while, uh, Flurry at least, not, I'm not really his agent, because I don't even remember his agent's name, but um, it, it it just seems like that might hang over him for a while. Well, and this, so Fleury is, has such this nice guy reputation. Yeah. In hockey. Like, everyone loves him. He's just so always so sweet and upbeat. And, like, that he, he solidified that when Matt Murray took over in the net in Pittsburgh and that he was so gracious and never said uh-huh. any bad things, never complained and all of this. And the fact that he very clearly, like, knew that this, it, at best, knew it was going to happen and was okay with it, or at worst, like, ordered his agent to do it, yeah. it just looks, it's not good for the reputation. Mm-mm. So, I guess the next one, this is kind of nothing, so I'll just roll through it, but former Pittsburgh Penguin current, um, first of all, credit to Jim Rutherford for making a trade, because we got Olimata, we traded 
from Pittsburgh to Chicago and we got uh, Dominic Cahoon, who we then flipped to Buffalo, but he was decent and cheap. And Olimata is very slow and not that good and overpaid. I think he makes like four and a half million or something. Uh, he got traded with like 700 grand retained to Los, or Los Angeles and they got like an ECHL player back. So it was basically like, here's a guy because we can't give you nothing in return. So <laughs> here's a guy back. Um, I think for Los Angeles, it's like we didn't have to give anything up and they have a guy that they can play, which, and he's not bad. He's just not, he's very mediocre, but it's fine because LA isn't trying to make the playoffs. So I think this kind of a nothing trade. Yeah. It's interesting that Chicago is looking to clear space so much, but maybe they're just looking more for, to clear the position than to clear, clear, clear the cap space. I don't know. We'll find out. The thing I really wanted to bring up too is some buyouts that have happened. And I think buyouts, are happening a little bit because of the struggle financial situation teams are in. Mm -hmm. But the, the one that I really like, I, I think we might've talked about this last week, but the Bobby Ryan file is just so stupid. Um, Cause it doesn't <laughs> save them much money at all. Yeah. It's like, they're like, well, it gives us a position so our young players can play. And it's like Bobby Ryan was such a feel good story this year. Everyone loved Bobby Ryan. And that's just like a PR win. And he was like playing on your third or fourth line. And he can be like one of the old vets to like lead the team. And everyone liked him. It, it, just, it made no sense to me. And then Michael Grabner got bought out by Arizona, which I think if Michael Grabner's on another team, he probably doesn't get bought out. But Arizona, it's always tight financially in good times. Like it just, they need some, space, some money and they save them some money. And then the big one is Henrik Lundqvist, who has been like the face of the New York Rangers for his whole career, basically. And legendary goaltender, obviously never won a Stanley Cup, made it to the final, um, lost to LA, but he's like a legendary Ranger. But it sounds like he tweeted just tonight that he does still want to play. And he's, and I think if he, because he's bought out, he still makes like decent money because his, mm -hmm. his contract is like seven or eight million dollars so he gets like five or six million dollars something like that so he still makes good money so he can sign a short-term deal and it's basically like whatever New York is paying him plus whatever the new team is paying him is what he's making so he can afford to take a discount that's what Kevin Shattenkirk the defenseman did in Tampa mm -hmm. Bay he got bought out from a big contract and then Tampa Bay just gave him like one and a half million now I don't know if that would get you Henrik Lundqvist but like two even something like that there's a lot of teams that could do it so like if Vegas can offload Marc-Andre Fleury well there's a spot for Henrik Lundqvist and then the Swedish goaltending tandem of Robin Leonard and Hen Henrik Lundqvist that's really awesome and for Henrik Lundqvist to have like someone to split time with instead of having to carry the load and I think for Robin Leonard too it would be awesome but there's a lot of teams you can make that argument for of could really benefit from having to like 1a 1b with Henrik Lundqvist as your 1b and at an affordable mm -hmm. rate so I think that that'll be really interesting um, New York of course was very complimentary and did it right they did it um they picked a specific day to honor his number and they like they they did a lot and I think that's appropriate because the coyotes <laughs> a couple of years ago, Shane Doan, who was like their captain, and like everyone loves Shane Doan. Because apparently like he's one of those he doesn't curse because he's just so 
sweet and like family man kind of guy. Uh-huh. Just very lovely. And he'd been like their captain in the face of their franchise. And then they decided they weren't going to renew his contract. And then they just kind of like screwed him around a bit. And then they're like, yeah, we're just not renewing his contract. And it just left this sour taste in everyone's mouth. It's like this universally liked guy. And you just like throw him aside. Yeah. And so I think New York did a really did good by Henrik. And I don't blame them. They have two good young goalies. But I think everyone here pretty acquitted themselves pretty well. Yeah. So that is that. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about are the two names that I keep hearing in trade trade circles. Um, Oliver Ekman Larson, again from Arizona. <laughs> this might be the most we talked about Arizona. I know. I was thinking that same thing. Um, a little – he hasn't quite performed up to his, like, eight-plus million dollar – I think it's $8.25 million contract. But – is a good defenseman in they're not in huge supply so I think a lot of teams would would like that especially if you believe that part of the reason he's not at 8.25 million is because he's on the Coyotes and not because he's actually not that good so that's an interesting one but then of course like Jack Eichel's name has gotten thrown out a bit which I find interesting because he is he's not quite in the like Crosby McDavid McKinnon tier but he is right there like really close to like he he would be the next person into that tier so like I he's a really good player so and the thing if you're Buffalo like whatever you get back you're not getting fair value yeah like you could trade him to New York Rangers which they never do this but you could trade it to them for the first overall pick Alexi Lafreniere you're still not getting fair value you're just not because, like, you don't know what Lafreniere is going to be. Yeah, you know true. that Eichel is amazing. Here, so I had to pull this up just because I remember from the Steve Dangle podcast. So we're going to do goals, assists, and total points. Jack Eichel had 36 goals. The second best on his team had 22 goals. Jack Eichel had 36 or 42 assists. Second place, not bad, had 36. But then when you put it all together, Jack Eichel had 78 points. The next highest had 50. Yikes. And then it's like 42, 40. So they're all <sighs> grunged around there. But he he was the only like good player. And it's just absolutely insane. So yeah, he just he had no one buffalo. When you look at their draft record, it's egregious like the only one that's done well is like Rasmus Dahlin which he was the first overall pick if the consensus number one like wow good job <laughs> but yeah so it's it's pretty amazing um but that said I actually really want him to get traded so I'm trying to will this into existence even <laughs> though I think even I think Buffalo is not stupid enough to do this but Buffalo they just live in the land of mediocrity and just never seem to be good at getting out of it like like they just don't <laughs> seem to have a plan like even yeah. Ottawa they're terrible and their owner's bad but like they are trying to lose and get good picks and it's like okay so I like actually see this like I, I see how this is going to to work but I'm just not seeing not seeing it at all the last time they were in the playoffs was in 2010 2011 which when you consider half the league makes the playoffs every year is pretty horrible so yeah yeah. I'm pitching Jack Eichel to to come anywhere I it's like he can't be on the Penguins we don't have money for it but literally (laughs) anywhere 
Um, with that, I think we have a lot to talk about with the MLB. Yes. And so we'll save our next, our whatever they're calling this, DS, right? Is this yes, division series. Which kind of is and kind of isn't, but yeah, we'll call, we'll call it that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, the wild card wasn't the wild card either. We just arbitrarily <laughs> assigning rounds. Yeah, rounds. <laughs> that's fine. Um, so if you want, you want to talk about the Phillies champ first? Yeah. So just like a little bit of like non-playoff news. Uh, the Phillies GM resigned, although. I always wonder, I'm like, did he really, like, reside, or was it more of, like, a a polite get-out-of-here kind of a thing by owners? Um, but the, uh, they, this is, was their ninth, ninth straight season where they have ended under 500, and third straight season where they've just had a September collapse, which... It's interesting because when we talked, I think it was two weeks ago when we were right before anything was set up, they were a potential wild card um, for the NL. And so the fact that like they didn't even make it is, I, I can see why they would be angry with the GM because I also didn't realize that it had been that long since they had been in the playoffs. I legitimately thought they had been a wild card in the last like five seasons or so. So here's the interesting thing kind of to relate to our NHL talk. 2011 was the last year that the Sabres and the Phillies, both of them were, neither of them have made the playoffs since 2011. So there must have been a curse in 2011. Yeah. Put on some teams because (laughs) God. (laughs) Yikes. And I mean, for baseball, that's not good. But I mean, at least for every year except this year, it was pretty hard to make the playoffs. That's pretty embarrassing. Because it'd be like if the Phillies, if we had this playoff structure for the next eight years and the Phillies didn't make it any of those times. Yeah. That would be the, the equivalent. But, yeah, it's, it's still not good. And especially, like, you sign Harper, and the year you sign Harper, his old team wins yeah. the World Series. And then the year after, you still can't make it when they expand it so half the league makes it. Like, it ain't good. Yeah, and they've had a couple different managers now, too, and good managers, so that's obviously not an issue. So I, I understand why they would go with the GM, just kind of you've started with the lowest possible uh, tier of players and then coaching staff and nothing's working, so might as well go to the GM and be like, let's get something new here. So I don't really blame them for it. Um, just interesting, I think. Um I'm not really sure if I can remember – I could be thinking wrong, but I, I don't really remember GMs usually resigning during playoffs. Usually baseball is fairly quiet if you're not a playoff team during playoffs. Nothing usually happens um, that I can remember. Um, the other bit of news is the Detroit GM – said that uh, Alex Cora and A.J. Hinch are on his list of potential managers for next season, which we talked about last week where we thought Boston was probably going to go with Cora um, next season or maybe in two seasons. I think it's really dumb for the Detroit GM to be like, yeah, they're on our list. I want to consider them. Like, even if they are on your list, like, don't admit it. It just sounds bad we all know they they cheated and 
I'm sorry. If Cora's only punishment is he's not a manager in like a basically fake season because it's so weird. It's like when you think of the seven inning doubleheaders, the fact that the teams didn't even play all play the same amount of games, the runner on second in extra innings, the universal beat, like all of these random things that got added, the different playoff yeah. format, everything. It's like baseball literally like transformed in one season with all of these random things. And if that's his only punishment is not having to play in this season or not getting to manage in this season, it just doesn't feel like anything. Yeah. Same with AJ Hinch. It's kind of like, did you really even get punished? Not really, but whatever. And because like, I feel like for Cora, it would have been more of a punishment of sorts if Boston made it into the playoffs without him. They were awful this season. So it's kind of like he was like, well, I wasn't even there. So I don't get punished by having to watch a short crap season. Um, I, I, I just don't like the thought of a GM being like, yeah, I'll consider the cheating managers. Sure. Because obviously we know someone's eventually going to hire them back. But like, can we maybe wait like a couple real seasons? I also feel like why why is it a given that they need to be hired back because man, the man, role of a manager is so much decreased now because of all of the analytics talk so it's basically like here's everything to do from the analytics department do it and then also yeah. be our public face like that's one of the big things the manager does and when the manager is a cheater like how is that a good public face I don't know. I just, I think, I was like, why is it? I, I think this in <laughs> hockey too, where it's like, of yeah. course Mike Babcock is going to coach some team. Like, yeah. Why is that a given? I don't get it. Yeah. It sucks that it's a given, but it feels like it's a given. Yeah. That's the old time nature of sports <sighs> that just drives me crazy. Um, so we can move on to predictions. That's the only baseball news I had, mm. unless you had something. I want to just make an observation because I pulled up the bracket. Huh? So they did the three-game series for the wild card. And yes. of the eight series, only two of them went three games. And it just kind of hints to me of, like, it was essentially the one-game wild card. Because yeah. once you lose the first game, it's just so tough. Yeah. That, I don't know. I just, like, three just doesn't feel like. like it's like you wanted, to, you didn't want people to have the complaints that they have about the one game wild card, but you didn't want to fundamentally change anything about the one game wild card. Right. And I think it'll be, I think if they change the wild card uh, at the actual wild card series where it's the two wild cards playing each other to a three game series um, next year, I think it'll be interesting to see how that works because I, believe it would they would actually be playing at both fields of the team so I would think two games at the um the team that has home field advantage and then the third game potentially at the other team so I feel like then it would have a different and it also would just be so different because so if they go back to the old format they're going to have the division champs get buys and then the next two highest records from any division get into that league's wild card game mm -hmm. so you have two most likely pretty close in competition teams because they're going to be pretty similar records if previous years are any indication it's not like but this year because of how it worked we had one versus eight and all of that and of course there were upsets and all of that kind of stuff but I think you're just going to get such 
close during competition yeah that it's that excitement is going to be there even more yeah for sure so um with that I guess we can go over so like I'll, I'll t- say what happened in the previous round and then we can say what we think is going to happen um Tampa Bay beat Toronto I, I think that was probably the one that was like the most normal series <laughs> yeah like Tampa Bay just won like everyone yeah. thought they would. And New York yeah. beat Cincinnati or Cleveland, not Cincinnati, one of my things. <laughs> uh, New York beat Cleveland. And so we have New York and Tampa Bay. I want Tampa Bay to win, but with Judge and Stanton healthy and hitting and just be like, I, I just don't feel like New York is one of the Yankees have to specify which new team one of the blessed teams like for as, as cursed as the Mets are that's how blessed the Yankees are like things just seem to break their way yeah and so I just feel and Tampa Bay does not have that feeling around their franchise so I just feel like New York's gonna win and after my twins I feel like the twins are gonna lose thing I, I gotta go with my gut so I'm picking New York <laughs> um I will say for the AL series, I picked the more, I guess, obvious teams as far as like their seed, um, whereas the NL, I went with the underdogs. Uh, so Rays, Yankees, I went with Rays. Um, and a lot of that is to do with, so should be noted, every, whereas the last round, we only had one series where the two teams had played each other in the regular season. This round, every series is within their division. We only have uh, West teams and East teams. No Central teams made it beyond. After four Central teams. <laughs> um, so um, I could actually look at matchups for the regular season. Uh, the Rays were eight and two versus the Yankees. So I went with the Rays. Based on that, too, I also looked at The Athletic did an article where they had a longtime scout, a former player, and a current uh, coach, all anonymous, don't know who they were, um, pick the favorites for each series. And the scout and the coach went with the Rays. The player went with the Yankees. Um, I went with the Rays just because they – Again, they were playing the eighth seed, so maybe that has something to do with it, and they were playing in their home field. Uh, but the Rays just seemed more consistent, even in those – it's only two games, but they seemed more consistent. The Yankees, I will say I was surprised in that first game with Cleveland, where I was like, that's going to be a pitching duel, and it was not a pitching duel at all. Um, but the, since the fact that they played ten games this season against each other – and the Rays won eight of those. I, I feel like the Rays have the obvious upper hand. It is interesting, though, that they're playing in a neutral field. They're, this series is taking place in San Diego. Um, so they're playing in a field they've never played in, well, this season. Um, so I think that'll be interesting as well, especially I feel like the Yankees' offense relies on home runs. So to see how they play in that ballpark will be interesting. Uh I I don't really still don't know much about the Rays because I honestly didn't really watch that series. I kind of just kept up with the score and I was like, okay, Toronto's losing, like we expected. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going with the Rays. I I could see this series going five games though. Yeah, I think it's like it's one of those things where you don't really know. 
Yeah. Because, like, it wouldn't surprise me if the Yankees just lost. But because Judge and Stanton are, like, playing at the same time, which isn't a thing that happens a lot, mm-hmm. um, and they're both, like, are hitting the ball and, like, playing like they're not injured. Yeah. Um, I could also just see the Yankees being, like, this murderer's row of a lineup. Yeah. So, also, it was, it was funny. I saw an article, and I don't know why it was just about – these two teams um I think they're trying to turn this into a rivalry which I've said before just because you're in the same division does not mean you're a rivalry but whatever um because it was a lot of yeah we hate them they hate us blah blah blah. and but like the headline of the article was like they're in the same hotel I was like did y'all watch any of the NHL playoffs (laughs) they're all in the same hotel (laughs) this isn't like a new thing they're trying to like they're in and now they have to be in the same hotel for this series and it's like okay they, the NHL did it for like three months. Yeah, well, and if anything, they said it was it was like harder to be the competitive side, like in the NHL, because yeah. it's like, yeah, we're all in the same like kind of crappy situation, so we just yeah. kind of all like you want to say hey, and you know people because <laughs> like, you've been on different teams. But anyways, I think we should move on to the next one. Yes. After the Twins are now up to is it eighteen consecutive losses, not series losses. I mean that would be pretty bad too. Yeah. But eighteen consecutive game losses in the playoffs. They have not won a playoff game since two thousand and four, which is crazy. Okay. That was the year of the NHL lockout that's the reason <laughs> like that locked out the entire season. There was uh-huh. another lockout between 2004 and now which is insane yeah just absolutely insane think about it we had a whole presidency that's that is insane obama like it was still years before like that was bush's second that's true bush bush hadn't even been reelected because he was reelected in 2004 wow it's insane actually it's crazy how they just like because, like, there are some times where you're like, yeah, but records can be broken, whatever. That doesn't mean anything. But then there are other times where you're like, wow, that's really getting to, like, their mindset. And it's not yeah. even, like, obviously, it's it's a completely different team than, like, 2005, 6, 7. Like, there's something, like, cursed. But you look at the past two years, well, and especially this year, when you looked at Minnesota's home record and Houston's road record, and they were playing yeah. in Minnesota. The fact that Houston won both games. Like, Houston was 8-16 and 16 going into this, and the Twins were literally the opposite. They were 16-8 and eight going into the postseason. Yeah, so, of course Houston won, because <laughs> why? Why not? I, I feel like, okay, so it's Houston playing Oakland. Oakland was one of the two series. Oakland... Uh, White Sox was one of the two series that won three games. Mm-hmm. I want Oakland to win. Yes. Like, we can just take that as a given if I'm ever predicting against the Astros. <laughs> I want yeah. Oakland to win. Of course I do. Yeah. I feel like the gods have it destined that, like, New York is going to win Tampa Bay. Houston is going to be Oakland. And then that will either be the revenge game or if Tampa beats New York, then Houston is going to go to the World Series while they'll play L.A. Like, I have a feeling that if Houston is going to be ousted, it's going to be, like, this vengeance game against either New York or L.A. Very 2020. Mm -hmm. So, 
but see, my issue, I, I also pick the A's because I'm not picking Houston no matter what. I should but say, I'm picking the A's. I don't yeah. think they, w- they will win, but I'm, I'm trying to will it to happen. Same. But the A's feel so much to me, almost like the Twins do, where like they finally get there and they're like, they look like the best team. And then they just fall apart, which I almost thought they were going to do against the White Sox. Um, so... <laughs> They also they the A's were seven and three versus Houston this uh, season, and they looked really good against Houston. Like they handed Houston some bad loss, and also we should just say this series itself is a very like um, revenge game too, because uh, the A's Mike Fires is the one who started the whole investigation against the Astros. Mm-hmm. So there's bad blood there too, and I'm sure they're also sharing a hotel. So you have that as well. Um, the interesting thing is the Astros will be playing on the Dodgers field, which is weird. And I feel like they, sh- the world's going to make them like the, the sports gods are going to make them win on Dodgers field, which feels wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, part of me wants to believe that uh, the A's can beat the Astros, but it does feel like the universe is just trying to set everything up for the Astros to win. And I, if they win the World Series this year, we are never going to hear the end of it. Okay. And I just need that to not happen. If they win the World Series, I think we can all officially agree that, like, in, in, we kind of joke and say, like, yeah, this season isn't a real season. It's a fake season. If the Astros win the World Series, this was actually a fake season. It was actually fake. Um, like, done. Because I can already hear them now, like, see, we won it without cheating, blah, 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 blah. Um, because I already feel like I can hear... Like, as soon as they beat the Twins, like, I'm already preparing for the narrative of, like, redemption and, um, oh, my favorite thing, overcoming adversity. And <laughs> because before that series started against the Twins, I, I have MLB Network, like, on my TV just as background most of the time. And I walk past my TV and the headline on the bottom of the screen just said, have the, and I'm paraphrasing, have the Astros gotten past sign stealing investigation or whatever? And I was like, no, it's been 60 games. They are not past it until maybe next year. And even then, no. Like, I would say, okay, you could at least make an argument if they had made it, like, if they had won the Central, the AL Central, basically. Or well, they're in the West. Yeah, if they had won, if they had been like the best, then they made the playoffs in a position that any other year wouldn't make the playoffs. So, like, how can you say they overcame it again? It's fake. Yeah, and like they're they're under five hundred. They were not good this season. Justin Verlander's out. Like a lot of their players are out. Also, they announced the starters for the first two games of that series, and um. This is from a tweet from Alden, I hope I said that name right, Gonzalez. He's a ESPN reporter. And he said, Lance McCullers Jr. and Framber Valdez will start Astros' first two games, respectively. Zach Greinke, who has allowed 12 runs in the last 18 and two-thirds innings, will not. Which makes no sense because Greinke is clearly your number one, especially with Verlander out. But, like... And he's not who you're going to go with game one or game two with? Kind of weird. I hope it, like, comes back to haunt them for not doing that. Um, I think this is this could potentially go five games. I'm going four games because I think, like, the A's could win the first two and then Grinky comes and pitches the third and gives them that win. 
And then the fourth, I think the A's can just like get rid of them, which would be, look, if I, if the Rangers did not exist, I think I would be either a Mariners fan or an Oakland Athletics fan because the Athletics have my favorite uniform. That Kelly Green is like beautiful. And the stadium itself is ugly, but like the fans know how to have fun at that for that team. So well, they won't be playing there, which now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if they'll pipe in Oakland Athletic fan noise into Dodger Stadium when it's the A's home game. Because how did these is it, it's two, two, and one. So the first two games will be Oakland home games. So I hope they pipe in like Oakland A's fan noise. That would be fun. I would love that. Yeah, that would be fun. And, um, I will say, so, like, in the NHL Stanley Cup predictions and so far in the MLB predictions, like, even when it pains me with the first round, I did, I think I tried to stay with Minnesota and I ended up <laughs> or switching to Houston or, or I picked Houston. And, yeah. But from here on out, I will just always pick against Houston. And, it's like, I actually think that Houston is going to win this round, but I cannot pick them to win this round, so I'm picking Oakland. Now that and I think Oakland about it, doesn't have as tragic of a, a past as Minnesota. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I think you did originally pick Houston in the first round, and I tried to change your mind because you felt bad about picking Houston. <laughs> so maybe that was also but on I me. I feel like I was vindicated a little bit. <laughs> no, Minnesota is actually some kind of playoff choke artist. There's some black magic there. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm, I'm picking Oakland. Like, from the start, she's not convincing me of anything. <laughs> I'm picking Oakland. I also will say in that athletic article, scout and coach picked A's, player picked Astros. I would like to know which player this is because the player picked both the Astros and the Yankees, and I am personally offended by both of those choices. I feel like, yeah, so most hated team, like, universally in the MLB is obviously the Astros this year, but I feel like the Yankees are probably second place. Yeah, like any other year, everyone hates the Yankees, right? Is like that the, the only rule? People, I feel like the only people who root for the Yankees are like Yankees fans. Right. Yeah, that's dumb. Okay. So next one, we got a little like California battle in the NL. Uh, LA Dodgers versus San Diego. This is one, I think LA has it this year. But I will say, I could see next year having a rematch of this and San Diego winning. Because San Diego, LA is like, they've been the dynasty for forever. And San Diego this year is, like, all the young guys, like, dynamic. Like, they have a bright future ahead of them. Whereas, like, LA's like, the future is now, like, we only have so many more shots of this kind of thing. And so I think eventually, soon, San Diego is going to be the better team. And it might be the series. Who knows? But I'm, I'm picking LA. I should pick LA. I went with the Padres because mostly it's because in, like, the last – we'll say five seasons, because that's how long I remember doing brackets. I've always picked the Dodgers, and I always feel like they burn me, and it feels at this point personal, like if the Rangers were to burn me, and so I just had to go with the Padres, because I was like, I'm tired of relying on the Dodgers to bring me any good, Um, and the Padres are fun to watch, so they're kind of a fun underdog to pick. Um, They will be playing in Arlington, so at the Rangers ballpark, which we know the Padres can hit grand slams in. We are um, well aware of that. <laughs> um, I will say, though, in the athletic article, everyone picked the Dodgers. 
Also, the Dodgers were 6-4 and four versus the Padres this season. So everything does lead towards the Dodgers, which I'm inclined to believe the Dodgers will win. Um, but I picked the Padres just because they're a fun team to watch. Um, the Dodgers can be fun. I'm just kind of over them at this point. No offense, Clayton Kershaw. This is one, though. Whoever wins. Yeah. I'm happy for the team. It's not yeah. even like I'm meh about who wins. Like, I will be happy because I want L.A. to have a little bit of revenge. So if they win, that's great. Yeah. San Diego is this fun young team. So if they, they win, that's great. At best, the other one, like, I definitely don't want the Yankees to win. Definitely don't want the Astros to win. And even the Marlins, Marlins Braves that we'll get to, like, I have one team that I want to win. If the other team wins, it's like meh. Yeah, that's how the entire NL kind of feels to me for the most part. Um I think I also picked the Padres because I was like, I do not want to see Dodgers and Astros get unless we are guaranteed Dodgers win. Um, But if we can't be guaranteed that by the baseball gods, I'm like, no thanks. I don't want to witness that again. I do feel like there is some like good karma coming Joe Kelly's way because of all the injustice during the season. So I don't know. We'll find out. But yeah, that'll be an interesting. And I I like that matchup. I think it's a really good matchup. Yeah, I do too. And it's so much better than L.A. Cardinals would have been because San, San Diego yeah. won in three. So I'm really happy San Diego won. Yeah. And the last one, of course, my mom's and my favorite team completely stunk. So yeah. it's, we have Miami, which is just absolutely mind-boggling to me. Miami versus Atlanta. I have Atlanta so much. Like, <laughs> so much. You look at the lineup and, like, it's not even fair. So, in a group chat, we were talking about uh, when it was, I think it was on, like, Friday or whatever. The Marlins are the anti-twins because the Marlins have never lost a playoff series, ever. They've made it to the playoffs, and every time they've won. Um, so, I picked them just because it, it, it just feels like it's destined for them to win the series just because and I will say the Braves have some of like not quite as bad but they have a little bit of the twins juju where it's like they're always in it but then they never win it yeah um although I I do like the Braves I'm not really like I don't really have an allegiance to either of these teams also I did kind of pick the Marlins because their uniforms (laughs) I think I said this last week too I really like their uniforms if they get to wear their uh which they probably will when they are the quote-unquote home team, those electric blue uniforms that they have. Um, by the way, they'll be playing this series in Houston's ballpark, uh, which will be interesting because the roof, um, I'm sure, will be closed for every game. Which the Marlins are used to playing in that a little more than the Braves are. I don't know if that will really affect them much. Um, the Braves – also won the season series six to four versus the Marlins. But that's also, not like a landslide. Yeah. Also, everyone in the athletic picked the Braves. Um, I will I say just, the one thing that really makes me not want to pick the Marlins, and I, I said I would be mad if they win, but the one thing that would make me a little salty, I really don't like Derek Jeter. Yeah. Yeah. I always kind of forget about him. And then I remember I'm like, damn, I picked the Marlins. Um, Cause it is kind of, it does kind of feel like rooting for the Yankees in a weird way. Um, well, cause they gave him, <laughs> Derek Jeter gave the Yankees Stanton for nothing. Granted he gave the Brewers Yelich for also nothing, but the fact that it was the Yankees. Yeah. Um, I, but it's also like this series, I don't really know what to expect. 
just because the Braves Red series was so weird and like I I don't know I just the Marlins again with the consistency felt more so than anything I saw from the Braves um I had another thought in my head and it went away, so I don't remember anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm just always consistently wrong in these brackets, like the NHL and the MLB, so don't take this for anything. It's just who I think. Part of me also for NL did pick them going with, like, my NHL thing where I'm like, well, I'm a jinx, so let's just pick the ones I don't want to <laughs> and see what happens. Um, but I think best of five is interesting. I honestly can't wait for best of seven because – those feel more fun in a way. I don't At know least why. With five, it feels a little less like a fluke. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, three felt like a fluke. Oh, for sure. Because it's legit a weekend. Like you can win yeah. that in a weekend, and it's like, yeah, it's just a fluke. Um, I will say the AL series start on Monday, and it's five. Should there be five games? They're all back to back because there's no travel. So five games if five games are needed but I think with how it's somewhat staggered we would get five days of baseball no matter what if I'm thinking right because yeah because NL starts on Tuesday so if they play just three games yeah it would go till Thursday they would go till Thursday because NLDS game three would be on Thursday so So we're guaranteed four days which I'll take but I mean, and we're I gonna we're gonna have five days. There's no way every single game yeah. is gonna be a sweep. I just if that happens, that would be insane. Yeah, and I think the next series after that would start next Monday. They currently have it for Sunday with the oh. AL. That's what their schedule is now. It could change. I don't know. They yeah. said AL low at AL high TBD on Sunday, October 11th. So, Interesting. Okay, so. And then I think it goes. I know. The NLDS and the World Series are played in Arlington. The AL, sorry, ALCS is in Dodgers? Padres. Can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's in one of those. That's all I know. So, with that, I think we're going to go to Rant and Rave. Yes. Um, I can go first because I pulled okay. this up. Um, this is from a couple days ago. So, we talked about that ESPN article about the experience in the bubble and it was fascinating I loved that article it was so well done Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan from ESPN wrote that and it's so good especially Emily does some really great stuff on the NHL definitely worth a follow definitely read her stuff I know it's ESPN and hockey people don't like ESPN for hockey she's awesome so NHL, so because of some of the things that players said about like not, not, it not being what they expected, some of the promises not happening and stuff like that, they asked Gary Bettman about this. And here's his quote. Quote, I was in the bubble for three weeks. We had 150 staff between the two bubbles. Overwhelmingly, the players really thought the experience was well done. I saw that story. Citing nine anonymous sources doesn't exactly get my attention. And it's unfortunate that somebody, meaning a journalist so-called, would find that an appropriate story to tell. If you've got criticisms, put their names on it. Okay, if we're gonna say every journalist who uses anonymous sources isn't a legitimate journalist than a ton of like really important stories and I'm not just talking about in sports but like in life a ton of really important stories that changed the world Watergate 
Yes, we're <laughs> not real journalism, which emphatically no. And okay, so nine anonymous sources is illegitimate, but just because like basically no one told me it was bad. You're the commissioner. What are they going to tell you? Like you run the whole damn league. What are they going to say? Oh, this sucks. Of course not. Of course they're not going to say that to you. And it's, and it's like, of course they're going to be honest to anonymous sources. And if you read it, it was pretty fair. Like they all overwhelmingly complimented the safety of it. They're like, it's amazing that no one got any, like how well mm -hmm. they executed it. And they all said they understood some of the things about like, it was always going to be tough to be away for this long. And there's nothing they could really do about that. So it wasn't like they just picked nine disgruntled guys and like, here, let's, let's throw them. Like, let's, let's ha say what they have to say. These were, whoever they were, were very thoughtful players. They gave very constructive comments that this is the best that you can come up with back. Just don't say anything. Say no comment. It looks better than this. This is like, he's, a, he knows better than this. It's because he has no defense, but screw you, Gary Bevan. And they didn't pipe in the booze for the trophy presentation. Yeah. They uh, really should This happened. This comment happened after the fact, but it's proof why they should have done it because fans don't like Gary Benton. Like, I remember this. Like, if you're away at an away team and you win the Stanley Cup, the opposing fans, most of the time, unless they're really jerky, will clap for the winning team, even if it isn't their team, and then they will boo Gary Benton. And this is why. As a hockey fan, I'm very annoyed. As a journalist, I'm like livid because journalists don't use anonymous sources just because they can or just because they want to or, you know, just because it's fun. Like literally the rules are you use anonymous sources when that source believes their life or job could be at risk, which it potentially could if a player talks about the GM or commissioner. Are we forgetting that multiple coaches got fired tens of thousands of dollars this year for things they said in press conferences that were arguably not that bad. They were just criticizing some officiating. Exactly. And let's say there are some GMs that love Gary Bettman. And if Gary Bettman's mad at a particular player, maybe that GM won't sign that player. Or, I mean, there there are legitimate repercussions that could happen if they decide, you know what, yeah, put my name, don't put me anonymous. I, tell, tell them I did not like any part of it. I do have to give the last word to Greg Wyshynski. He, I, I'm reading from the screen grab that he posted, but here's mm -hmm. the caption he put with that. NHL Com Commissioner Gary Bettman shared these thoughts on TSN 1040 regarding ESPN's bubble confidential story by yours truly and Emily Kaplan. As a reminder, the NHL banned journalists, so-called, or otherwise, from its bu bubble while the NBA had a rotating group of 20 plus. And that was a thing that happened. The NHL's like, we have NHL.com people. Do you think the NHL.com would have come out with a story like this? Of course not. And the thing is, it's not as if, like, I think it's fair to criticize journalists, like the, a journalist and at question if they are a journalist, if they cite one anonymous source to corroborate a story that they know nothing about. First of all, these players get some deference because the journalists know who they are, so they mm -hmm. know there are players in the bubble. Like, they have proof yeah. of that. And so it's like that already gives it some credibility. And 
a lot of the things were repeated by multiple players, and it's not as if ESPN had a conference call and it was nine, anon- nine anonymous players. No, they called them separately, and yeah. they were saying similar stories. Exactly. And I will say, nine sources is a lot. Like, in a story, you only need three for it to be considered, like, a reputable article and source and, like, information. They got nine and I, I just, I, the fact that he didn't refute anything specifically, the fact yeah. that he, he turned to, like, if they said something factually inaccurate, you bet your ass he is yeah. refuting that. That he refuted that they were anonymous means he ain't got nothing to talk about. Right. Exactly. Sorry. I, that was a long rant. But. No, that was a good rant. <laughs> that. Um, my rant, I had told you earlier this week, but my rant is about the fact that ESPN, Mike, and, uh, gave earpieces to players during a playoff game um to talk to them in game (laughs) and apparently MLB PA was okay with it but (sighs) an f-bomb got dropped and no one thought that would happen (laughs) like no one could see that coming like I, it's totally fine. They started doing it at the All-Star Game. Totally fine. Game doesn't mean anything anymore. Have fun with it. I'm t- all for it. Heck, do it in April and May games for the Sunday night games. Go for it. That could be fun. That's how you bring in fans. Show more personality. Sure. Do not do it in an elimination playoff game. These, well, it's and- like, it's sure it's just baseball, but it is their job. They are trying to focus. And if you're going to be talking in the person's ear the whole time, it's kind of hard to focus. Because this is what I was going to say. I think it's fair to say we should mic up players in the playoffs. But how about how, like, the NFL or the NHL does it where they just put the mic in. It's a passive thing. No one's talking to the player. Yes. And then they can cut and splice up the best things after the fact. That's what they did with Pete Alonso this year, which I thought was Mm -hmm. brilliant. It's like it was called Who's on First? And they just had him mic'd up because he's a first baseman, and first basemen are always talk to people who's on first base. And then they cut the best stuff and put it in there. That's yeah. brilliant. Do that. If you want to do yeah. that in the playoffs, do that. But not live in-game interviews while they're actively playing. Yeah. Like, and, like, Rangers did it this season, too, where they gave – they mic'd up Joey Gallo for a couple games. It's entertaining. It's fun. I don't need to see it during the game. Just let me see the video after the game and have a good laugh about it. Like, because the Dodgers manager, he was like, yeah, I heard about it right before the game. Not thrilled about it. Which, why would you? Like, that's a huge distraction to your players out there. They usually, like, interview guys on the bench. Sure, that's fine. They're not playing. They don't have to be, like, actively in-game other than, like, you know, preparing for a foul ball to come at them in the dugout. But, like, that's rare. Why are, like, I know for the A's, they were talking to Laureano while he was in the outfield. Like, why, why is that, that's not entertainment, because that could easily be, like, persuaded as, well, yeah, we lost because y'all decided it was okay for him to put an earpiece in my ear, and I have to hear these announcers talk about things and scream in my ear. And it would be one thing if they did the, like, live in-game interview while the guy was in the dugout, because yeah. it was at the uh, opposite end of the uh, batting order. Yeah. And then, like, you can hear him. You hear him. I've I've been in interviews. They do that with pitchers who aren't pitching that day, where Mm -hmm. they, like, react to things as they're happening. 
in, yeah. in mid-interview. That's great. That's fun. That has a lot of the entertaining factor. And it also has the benefit of, like, the player not actively playing while you're interviewing. Yeah, because it, it'd be hard to, like, okay, I got to focus on this baseball while the guy in my ear is giving me stats about – because it's also – it's not like they're only hearing when they're being talked to. They're hearing the entire broadcast of the game. Like, they don't care about half that stuff. Yeah. And – I want, part of me wonder, because I, I didn't really pay attention to the games as far as, like, watching them intensely, so I don't know if he had it in his ear the entire game, but also I imagine that's kind of not something you can take off mid-game. Um, so, like, you have to hear it for at least an inning, we'll say, top and bottom, which, how annoying. Sorry, some of those broadcasters, like A-Rod, he's an ESPN broadcaster. He's terrible. I do not want to hear him in my ear for even half an inning. Yeah, I, my rant was about A-Rod a couple weeks ago. He's yeah. just not good. No. It, it is funny, though. It's like ESPN giveth and ESPN taketh. That's our rant. It's <laughs> yeah. like we had the uh, great bubble story to, <laughs> like, this crap. So. That was fun. Now, my rave. This happened today, so I'm glad you waited a little bit to record. Um, congratulations to Pittsburgh Penguins' amazing player, Jake Gensel, on getting engaged to his now fiance Natalie. And the thing I love about it is that um, Jake went to UNO, which is University of Nebraska at Omaha, and played hockey there, which is about the, the games are about 15 minutes from my house. And she went to UNO and it is a lifelong resident of Omaha. She lives in Pittsburgh now to be with him, obviously, but she's from Omaha. So I thought that was a pretty cool local connection to me. And they're just really cute and lovely and sweet. Yeah. And so I'm happy about that. Um, my rave, I, I almost changed it last minute, but I stuck with uh, this other one. Um, I went with Peaky Blinders because I just started watching that a few days ago and it was something that had been on my list and caught my eye. I'm like, oh, I, I want to watch that. And that, then there was one day I went to watch it and it wasn't, you know how sometimes you want to watch a show, but then you go to watch it and you're like, okay, I'm not in the mood for this, even though I really want to watch it. That happened to me. So then this week I started watching it and I'm obsessed. I'm currently in the middle of the last episode that's on Netflix and I'm going to finish it as soon as we're done recording. But it's so good. If you like Sons of Anarchy, you will love the show. Because it is, it's literally, and I, if someone would have described it to me this way, I would have watched it much, much sooner. It's basically a 1920s British version of Sons of Anarchy, which is, like, my favorite thing ever. Um, I do have to watch it with captions just because half the time I cannot understand what they're saying because some of them have accents really thick or they speak so fast. I'm like, nope, never would have caught that if I didn't have my captions on. So if you're interested in watching, just know if you don't like reading captions, you might have issues understanding. Um, but also the outfits in the show are so good. I want to live in one of the houses on the show. It's just, so, I just freaking... I love it. And how did you know I was looking for a show to watch? Because I'm almost done with 15 seasons of ER. You you need to watch Peaky Blinders. I will. Okay. That will be my next also, one. I will say though, there are a few things where I'm like, oh, I know, I've heard of that because of Royals. So you'll be doing that a lot in the show because there's a lot of like horse races. Um, and so there are a few things where I'm like, oh, I've heard of that, and it's only because I follow the British Royals. So I have two 
runner-up raves I just thought well one I just came across and one that I that just made me think of the mm-hmm. cute video with the Cambridge children where Louis that was going to be the one I almost, almost but they did a like thing for David Attenborough about mm-hmm. like animals and stuff like that and they all asked him really cute things all of them are cute but Louis saying animal instead of animal is like and then their little accents are just make it that much more adorable <laughs> So definitely check that out. The other thing I wanted to point out, and I found this on Twitter because Steve Dangle liked it. Um, it's someone tweeted out, we all knew Oli was a king already. Why is this news in reaction to him being traded to LA Kings? And they tweeted one of my favorite pictures ever. So it's 2017. The Penguins win back-to-back Stanley Cups. They're having their parade and they got just hammered. Like, they have Jake Gensel shotgunning a beer, everyone doing beer, like drinking beers all over the place. And then Olimata apparently has an apartment in downtown Pittsburgh. And there's this picture of him on his balcony and his jersey is just like draped against the, the sofa. And he's just like sprawled out, like clearly passed out because he drank too much. And so I love that that's, we all knew Oli was a king. Why is this news? So A plus to that, my single favorite Oli Mata moment ever. And it was like my, one of my favorite moments from the celebration. So. I know we usually end on, a, on raves, but as a secondary rant, can I just say like, honestly, Tampa's awful for letting fans drink from the cup in the middle yeah. of a pandemic. I just had to like, and also, before anyone's like, well, you're a Dallas fan, I would be just as pissed off if it was Dallas doing I mean, the no, same I mean, thing. I know for a fact that if Dallas won, just because of some of the people involved, and some of the things Dallas does, quite frankly, like with some of the other things that they struggle with, that something would happen would make you mad. Yeah. Not saying that fans would drink out of the cup, but something would make you mad. Right. Also, I think it should also be pointed out that Florida had just taken away all restrictions right before they won the cup so that makes it worse because texas still has a few restrictions not enough but still and it was also i don't know which player it was but one of them thanking the governor for opening the bars back up oh i just i'm pretty sure that's pat maroon former st louis blue so that's for that goal not exactly morgan's favorite person to begin with although there was a little bit of karma for that because during that whole like celebration thing pat maroon was pictured very like later on and there was a very interesting wet spot in his shorts it was in a very specific location that make it i mean there is no way he did pee his pants like I'll show you the picture. There is no way. So, a little bit of carpet for you. Make it feel a little better. <laughs> Turn that into a bit of a like rant slash rave. Like yes. he got his he got perfect his perfect way to end it. <laughs> With that, um, I guess we'll see you all next week for more MLB playoff talk and whatever crazy things happen in the NHL. Bye, guys.